You're listening to Paws, Claws and Wet Noses, the vet podcast celebrating all creatures, great and small, and the fantabulous professionals who look after them all. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is powered by Vet Staff, New Zealand's number one and only specialist recruitment agency that helps veterinary professionals find jobs in clinics where they're excited about going to work on Monday mornings vetstaff.co.nz. Welcome to episode 112. I'm your show host, Julie South. This is the third and the final episode in the Dr. Paul Unsworth series. If you haven't listened to the first two episodes, I recommend that you do that to give you context for today's continuing chat. I will put the links to the where you're listening to this episode in the show notes. So you're listening to episode, today is 1112 and you're looking out for 110 and 111. We pick up today where Dr. Paul gets on his self-professed soapbox about the requirement for veterinarians to work after hours. He parallels the after hours requirements and expectations of veterinary medicine versus human medicine. I'm interested to hear your thoughts and ideas on this, so please feel free to comment wherever you're listening to this episode. I'm sure I'm not the only one who wants to see the frequency of after-hours roster requirements for vets changed. And I think, this is life according to Julie, that a significant change can be made provided competitor clinics learn to play nicely and respectfully with each other after hours. Dr. Paul talks about this as well. Vets and business owners tell me that when they've endeavoured to enter into an after-hours arrangement with neighbouring clinics, usually a large clinic and a small clinic, and I'm usually talking with the smaller clinic, they, I think, life according to Julie, the bigger clinics are virtual signalling. My words, not my clients. And I say that because the big guys make it so cost prohibitive that there's no way the smaller clinics can afford to take up the bigger clinics offer. So the status quo prevails and every clinic provides its own after hours service, which is a bit stupid, I think. Or I hear that the bigger clinics are planting seeds of doubt in the smaller clinic clients' minds about whether the smaller clinic is able to continue to service them. Otherwise, they wouldn't have invited the bigger clinic in to help them such that the client leaves the smaller clinic and goes with the bigger one. That's not nice. I don't believe this is being collegial, and it's certainly not being respectful of their own team, as it doesn't engender professional collegiality or pride. Just to clarify, to remove any cause for doubt or confusion, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, the adjective collegial means relating to a friendly relationship between colleagues. In other words, people who work together. It is also used to describe a method of working in which responsibility is shared between several people. Again, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions or anything. So feedback, 
thoughts. So please comment and or email me because I really am interested. Dr. Paul also comes up with another possible idea to help relieve the veterinary shortage. But I'm not sure we've got the population here in God's own Aotearoa, New Zealand to support it. Having said that though, I think it makes sense for nearby clinics to be able to provide specialised services like Paul mentions. Not only would it mean not all clinics would need all the equipment that they all have, but skills would be enhanced. What are your thoughts? We join the conversation here with Dr. Paul hopping onto his first soapbox. One soapbox I have, and I think the veterinary profession really needs to approach it, is this duty thing. Well, quickly, it shouldn't be necessary. What do you mean by duty? You go to work for eight hours, you come home, and you have not finished your day. And person can, and you go for a weekend, and you have to be available. You're in single person practice, and you have to be available. And it's not acceptable that people have to get in a car and drive two hours, whatever to get veterinary treatment out of hours, weekends, whatever. Look how long it takes people to get ambulances in this day and age. Look how far you have to go to get to an emergency department. You do not get emergency treatment out of hours from your local GP, from your local medical center. And the veterinary profession takes it upon itself to say we are going to provide that and it is a major stumbling block in the veterinary life it just can change that whole work-life balance being on duty how did it come about i don't know uh i mean with it's in the thing we're there to stop suffering so if someone rings up said this animal is suffering i want it treated now so a human doctor's yeah, but they say, well, you can go to the hospital or you can go and find the emergency department. And you We're not can big do... enough to have emergency departments. But there are emergency, maybe not in Oh, some... yeah, there are in the big centres, and that changes the veterinary landscape totally in the fact that, I'll say, one o'clock on a Saturday, that clinic closes and phones are just passed through to emergency departments, and that's that's the end of it. And working in emergency departments, which I have done a few times, it's not a question of answering the phone, does my animal need seeing, da-da-da-da. It's just come in, come through the door anytime. Anytime next... I worked at an amazing um, emergency clinic in, uh, in, in Melbourne where they were doing some alterations, and they wanted to lock the front door. And they hadn't got a key. The door had never been locked in the 14 years. It had been open. Uh, I thought it was quite quite something. So they never closed their doors in 14 years. But at least, you know, you finished your shift, you went home. That was the end of it. You know, there was no question about, I've done my X hours, and now I have to be available to go back in at a moment's notice. So I'm not really finishing work. Oh, and you, by the way, you don't get paid for this. <laughs> Okay, so what do you think, solu- what possible solutions are there to solving this problem, apart from having more vets? We haven't got more vets. Well, we don't need more vets. 
I think the first thing to do was take the legality out of it. The VSC saying, no, you do not have to provide after our service. Okay, but you've just said that you pledge, you've got your veterinary Hippocratic oath, I, yeah. I, my words, yeah. not yours, yeah. to let no harm. Mm. How is taking the legality out of it going to, to meet that well, on Christmas Moral Day, for instance, on Christmas Day, for instance, in a little town like, in a place like Hawke's Bay, there are, I'll say, 10 vets available for duty, available for someone to ring up and talk to, not see the animal, just have a chat. Well, uh, and that, I feel, is a, is a problem, that uh, it is the, the profession as such, it's... There's no one looking up for other people's backs. So if these 10 Hawke's Bay vets rostered themselves, mm-hmm. when I put that out to people, they are fearful that... They'll lose, they'll lose business. Yes. So how do we... There's got to be some legal thing in there that means that that's not going to happen to take away that fear, Right. Well, that's that's a question for for lawyers or whatever. I, I mean, don't know, you, you, I'm sure you can create. I'm, I'm, I'm some, talking some, about a utopia here. I'm sure I mean, you obviously, can yeah. create a clause but, that says mm. that on after hours, my clients are my clients. Mm. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, a lot of people don't have clients anyway. I mean, to do a client is a is quite a a, a loose term. Some people use various vets and never been to a vet, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I had a dog six years ago. Does that make me your client? I don't know. <laughs> I've I seen this dog before, then it's not my client. You know, that's where you can get into those sort of things. So I'm not certain that's a, 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 a fair way to look at it. But, I mean, for instance, I, I'm thinking back to a clinic I worked at in Britain where there were some quite young European vet, one particular girl I'm thinking of, she's quite a, a, a new, new graduate, quite a young Spanish girl, and her English wasn't great, and she had to do duty for this group's three practices, whatever it was, I don't quite know. And she was so nervous about it that we used to close, we were closing at seven o'clock, and she would turn up at seven o'clock to sit in the clinic because she was nervous about doing the duty by herself. She wanted to be available, all the books there, ready to answer the phone. And she was doing it one in three or something like that. Now, is that fair to put a, a young girl through that? I mean, I, I thought that that was just a highlight of someone. This isn't right, you know. And why? Because other practices, no one shared. There was no, no, no emergency duty in the area and practices weren't prepared to share at all. And it just seems to me that it is one of, we talk about stress in the profession and talk about the suicide rate and everything. A lot of it is because you are, you know, sort of because of the, the tied to the duty and things like that. So there, there is a very, I wouldn't say, it's a simple solution that's not easy. There's a, a simple solution for clinics to be more collegial and collaborative after hours 
to mm-hmm. give their team respite. Yeah. No, that's, that sounds a fair assessment. But, uh, no, that's just one of my uh, things because, uh, I mean, my God, it has changed. Uh, before, before cell phones, you were tied to the end of a phone and, you know, you could not leave. I mean, I, I remember when I first qualified, I was in a, a flat above, above the clinic and I was tied to that phone. And it was Easter weekend. I did four days. And, you know, you could not go out. You wanted a pint of milk? Nah, you couldn't go. And uh, uh, the phone was downstairs. I had a baby monitor next to my bed. And I could, so I could hear the phone. But people expected you to answer the, answer the phone. And I was four days and uh, didn't speak to anyone besides clients. You know, whatever you wanted, you could not do anything. You couldn't go out for a run. You couldn't go for a walk. You couldn't, couldn't do anything, basically. Uh, shops, nothing. For, for listeners who are wondering what we're, why we're in this situation, it's because back in the day, phones used to be hardwired <laughs> with the handset and the base set as one unit. And now you, I feel you, about 90. You no, know, no, I just, I, you, <laughs> and we couldn't move the phone around. Yeah. Stuck. Yes. We had to have the conversation in the hallway. Oh, yes. Because yeah, that's yeah. where the phone was. Yeah. Yeah, because that, then the, the next one was when you had the walk-around phone, but it's only around the house, so you could at least keep it next to the next to the shower. But uh, you know, I mean, the number of times you'd be in the bath or the shower, and the phone would go. You can't just ignore it. You can't have the phone there. You have to get up, get out quickly, standing, you know, with a towel around you, dripping water in the cold hall. Being very professional, yeah. Trying to say, oh, yes, I'm very worried about your cat, thinking, God, it's cold here, there's no heating, and I'm cold and wet and naked. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so that's that's one soapbox. Yeah, that's my big soapbox. Yes, carry on. Any others? (laughs) Not really, no. Um, No, I don't think so. I... I uh, think. Uh, Go on. Don't know what I'm going to say now. No, carry on. If you could Your change turn. one thing about the veterinary profession, what just one thing? What would it be? Let's make it a profession. What does that mean? Professional ethics to your neighbouring vet. What? Help each other out. The between vets. You know, it is a profession, you're a group together, and um, the duty, obviously, will be shared. You would send things to people and they go, I can do this. I'm a behavioralist. There's a case that needs and You'll send it back for the vaccinations. Uh, there's no this constant one-upmanship that you get from other vets. Oh, we can do that, but, of course, they can't do it down the road, or they made a mess of it down the road. We'd have done it differently. Now, that sort of thing. Um, it's professionalism, vets, veterinary professional ethics. Of you know, I hate think of old-fashioned terms like gentlemanliness and all the rest of it. You know, the old English cricket, cricket public school adage. That's not. It's not cricket. Yes. Exactly. I say, chaps, that's not cricket. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Anything else? 
I don't know. I would like How to is- say thank you. Yeah. Thank you for your time. For your well, thank you for having me, so to speak. I hope I've given you something that You've is given worth me having. Lots. You give me lots. Thank you. Yeah. There's not enough funny stories in there. I do have lots of funny okay, stories, well, but I can never think. I can never think of them at the time. That's the problem. Well, t- okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. When you think of a funny story, write it down, yeah. and we can have a Paul funny story show. Oh dear. Uh, How does that sound? <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No, no, no. So you keep, you know, just write them down as you, you yeah. think of them. Pick, yeah. Get them in one yeah. place. And yeah. then when we can make another time to record it, because yeah. this hasn't been that hard, has it? It's been surprisingly easy. You didn't need I, to go I, and study for it, did you? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, Paul's just shown me a notebook. <laughs> Full of scribbles. <laughs> What's real? I can't even read it now. Oh, I mean, then you're a true doctor. Yeah. Yeah. When we went computerized all those years ago, and uh, we kept, we had little cards and we got the computer and we said, right, well, we'll do both to start with. And after a week, I was looking at these cards and thinking, I can't read what I've written on these cards, whereas I go to the computer, so it lasted a week, and then we just gave up the writing because my writing was so appallingly bad, and that's me reading my own writing. You know? So, uh, yes, that's uh, computers, have made, computers have made a hell of a difference. Yes, definitely. Mm. Anyway, look, you know, it hasn't been as hard as I expected. I hope it's, you can get something out of it. I can, but it's, yes. There's nothing horribly controversial. I won't give, give offence to anyone. It's, thank uh, you for your time. These are just time. the rantings of a, of, a, of a grumpy old man. Well, a grumpy old man who likes to laugh, it sounds. So. <laughs> I didn't say grumpy. You did. Oh, well, I'll have to use that. I can use that myself. But seriously, anyway, thank is, you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Is there anything else that you would like to say that I haven't asked you? No, no, I don't think so. Thank Rose for me. It's been a bit of pleasure. I hope you found Dr. Paul's story and ideas interesting, enlightening, and that he's given us all something to think about, about how we might be able to change things to help avoid and stop this, this veterinary burnout that we have at the moment. For some, it's easy to think that because of Paul's decades of experience that he doesn't know what he's talking about today. That some might think, not me, some, hopefully not you, that he might be stuck in the old ways. I challenge that kind of thinking on the grounds of diversity and inclusion. It's only by listening to different viewpoints, viewpoints like Paul's, like yours, like mine, that something better can be born. And just because we do something one way doesn't mean it can't be done another. Every clinic, I believe, has the opportunity to reinvent itself. All you need to do is adopt clean whiteboard thinking. What's that, you might be asking? Well, clean whiteboard thinking is a term that I have coined, and it's where you wipe a whiteboard clean and start brainstorming ideas with no rules. Start with what you'd like to achieve. For example, let's say 
sharing after hours with other clinics in your immediate area. And then ask what needs to take place for that to happen. If you don't need to provide after hours, maybe it could be sharing equipment, something, anything, what you'd like to change for the better. Write down what's stopping it from happening right now and then write down all the possible solutions to each obstacle. Write down all the stupid, the crazy, the impossible, the ridiculous because in there somewhere, if you're prepared to look, is a possible solution. However, for this to work, everyone needs to have integrity and honesty. Everyone needs, especially with after hours, everyone needs to be trustworthy, collegial and They need to honour the veterinary profession. Honour the veterinary profession. Really important. I'm off my soapbox now. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit that follow button. It's free. And I'd love to have a five-star review wherever you're listening to it right now. Why? Because it makes a huge difference to helping the search algorithms serve it up for others to listen to. So thank you heaps. And as the show is going to air, we're in the lead up to Christmas. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, here's to wishing you a blessed and relaxed and safe Christmas. This is Julie South signing off. And inviting you to go out there and be the most fantabulous version of you you can be. Kia kaha. Kakati ano. God bless. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, vet staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz